What is up, good people? Welcome back to the Church of Holy Shit and the Temple for All the Saints and the Aints, also known as Holy Shit Pod, a holy, irreverent, irreverently holy conversation about spirituality, culture, and the world. I'm the host who introduces himself first. I'm the tenor in the choir playing the tambourine and clapping real flamboyant like the Reverend Brandon T. Maxwell, the resident homosexual. <laughs> Okay, I'm also a homosexual. Oh, yeah. The resident black gay man. Okay. I am the host who goes second. In this church, I'm the token white member who is working on unlearning whiteness and adopting a black political mindset that has not yet made it to my cooking. It ain't made it. It won't ever make it. <laughs> right. I'm the one who brings hummus and raw veggies to every fellowship. And occasionally, the church mothers ask me to bake a vegan dessert because their grandbabies are coming back from their first semester of college and have all adopted a vegan lifestyle. I am the Reverend Karen Teresa Ricks. And I'm the deacon on the grill at the church anniversary picnic. I'm the overzealous grill master. Wannabe grill master. (laughs) And at overzealous. I'm the one over there under the tent giving children burnt hot dogs and telling them they ain't old enough to have the the ribs and the shrimp kebab. I'm the Reverend Samuel Lee White III. Today the category is there is no category because there's no word of pod. We are bringing you a full-length episode of Church Announcements this week. I know, I know, you were so excited about the Gospel According to TikTok episode, but so much has happened since we last talked, and we had to jump back in the studio and chop it up a bit. We're talking about the Facebook whistleblower, Big Brother, and my guy. <laughs> my guy. That's because there's another A now. I'm not really sure how to pronounce the second A, so my guy. I was trying to figure out if one of them should be a long A and one of them should be a short A. It was really my gay. My guy. A? My guy. My guy. Yeah, my guy. <laughs> my God. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. It's going to be a great time. So without further ado, let's get into it. Isn't Olivia Newton-John sings the song, Let's Get Physical? I thought you had the cadence of that, and I thought that's where it was going to go. Sorry, that just showed my age also. Yep, I always like getting physical. I thought that's also a gay anthem, so it's not quite aging you, it's gay. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Holy Shit Pod, where your three favorite ministers talk honestly about the things you're talking about on a daily basis. I was so glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Really? (laughs) (laughs) That was great, Sam. That was great. Really? (laughs) I was. I'm still glad when they said it unto me. You can take the the preacher out the Baptist, but you can't take the Baptist out the preacher. I guess that's what. Well, that's where the holy shit comes in. It's it's the holy stuff and the shitty stuff because <laughs> people be having shitty conversations on a daily basis, but try to act holy on Sunday. So we just trying to bring it together. But you got to say it like you just broached the pulpit and you about to walk mm-hmm, up to mm-hmm. the podium and not say it again. Mm, okay. <clears throat> I was glad when they said unto me, Oh no. Let us go. I don't know what who church you in. Into I even knew that wasn't right. But you gotta wind up. You gotta wind up. You can't go straight and you gotta give it a No, you already wound up before you get there. Exactly. Exactly. So wait a minute. So wait a minute. Has the choir sang it? <laughs> it depends on what kind of church you in. <laughs> I'm asking what kind of mood you want, because I know how to get in with the spirit. No, the choir has not already sung. You're exhorting before anything. You're the first voice. You are preparing the atmosphere. 
Well, see, this is the problem with some of y'all ministers because y'all don't like to prepare the people. Y'all like to go straight in without any lube or foreplay. And you gotta ease into it. Like, you have to ease the people into the worship. You can't just go, I was glad! No, bring that down. You gotta start off easy. So as I've already stated, today it's just church announcements. And by just church announcements, I mean it's one of the most fun things we do on a weekly basis. We are talking about all the shit that has happened in the last two weeks since we had our last recording session. I was on vacation and I'm coming back feeling rested and rejuvenated. So for our first church announcement, I want to start with something light. I am already aware that the two of you have no cares to give about this, but I want to talk about Big Brother. Last week, the CBS reality show crowned the first Black winner in the show's history. Yes, you heard correctly. After 23 seasons, we finally have a Black winner of Big Brother. His name is Xavier Prather. He's a 27-year-old lawyer, and he was part of a six-member alliance, the largest alliance ever to make it to the end of the show, called The Cookout. And if you don't know what that is... In black circles, whenever a white person has like some street credibility, we'll invite them to the cookout. So like Katie could come to the cookout. Katie can come to the cookout. But she can't bring anything. No, you can bring ice, drinks, <laughs> water, <laughs> uh, plastic plates and forks and spoons. But don't you cook nothing. She can bring compostable forks. Yes. Compostable. Yes, not plastic. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You can that. bring was... trash bags. I don't, I don't know, but bring, bring yourself. But don't you cook nothing. <laughs> Bring an empty stomach. <laughs> so, do y'all watch Big Brother? Hell no. <laughs> this is the 21st season or something? I'm like... 23rd. I have absolutely never watched it. Like, I've watched Survivor for a couple seasons, but... Are they related? Why would you bring up Survivor? Because it's the same kind of thing. Survivor is the original reality TV show series. I'm a reality TV show junkie. I love all of them. I love Big Brother. I love Survivor. I love Real Housewives of Atlanta. Wait, I watched Survivor in high school. Does it still air? It's the longest running one. It just hit its 41st season. I'm sorry. What? You watched it in high school? Katie's like, I watched it when I applied for my first AARP membership card. <laughs> <laughs> I even watched The Apprentice, but that's a long time ago. You are fired. <laughs> right, exactly. I know. So I know. If, if you're not excited about this, it's okay. I still want to acknowledge this is historic because reality TV show just mirrors life. One, it's not really reality. It's just non-scripted TV and it's typically trashy and that's why I love it. It's an escape. But this is kind of amazing to me. And if you can't get in with the show, Big Brother, get in with this concept. We had six black people move into a house competing for $750,000 and they chose to align themselves with one another above all else because they wanted to do something historic. They said, we, the six black people in this house, are going to figure out a way to get to the end together. We will not vote each other out. We will not go after each other. We are going to get to the end together. And so I think this is a good lesson in building black solidarity. And it's also a lesson for white folks to think about what's your place in black folks building solidarity. And it's also a lesson for how white folks can slash cannot be involved in that process because there were some white folks who were pretty salty yeah. when they realized, oh, these six black people made this alliance. But they also were like, we understand. Sound like reverse racism to me. It's reverse racism. These <laughs> black people all came in here and now they got a whole system to disadvantage us. Can you imagine if all the white people built an alliance to keep black people out? <laughs> what? No. Oh. What? That would be, I can't imagine at all. We've never. I, I honor where we're going with this, but what is the premise of it? What's the premise of what? Of a, alliances to support black people? 
No, 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 I got that. <laughs> what is the whole point of Big Brother? That I mean, Big Brother has no point. Big Brother is, re- reality television has no point. Which is why we don't care. It's, so it's 90 days in a house, and the house ain't got no television. You can't have no cell phone. Like, you are locked in this house with, I think it's 16 other house guests, is what they call them. That's a big house. Mm-hmm. It's a very large house. I'm not going to get into the like depths of Big Brother, but the thing about it is, for me, casting-wise, as you might imagine, there's always been white cast members. It's been predominantly white, which is why there's never been a black winner because white people always build alliances with one another, even if that alliance is unnamed. And so for me, this was significant because in the wake of George Floyd's murder, CBS committed to making sure that all of its reality TV shows had at least 50% of its cast being people of color. And so there are unique opportunities that emerge when you make sure that the playing field is level from the beginning. So if we're playing a game already and we know that at least half of the house guests, if eight of the 16 people are people of color, at the very least, these eight folks stand a fighting chance to win the game. Because if these eight people of color who are gay, straight, queer, old, young can figure out how to see past their white colleagues and connect with one another, that they have the potential to do something, right? So I think for me, I'm like the playing field was at least somewhat level, assuming that people of color would work together. Yes. And then it was strategic enough, I think, in what I read, because again, I did not watch it, but that each of those six people made outside alliances that were like second tier, but that way they could influence to not knock out the other folks in the cookout. Yes. That was brilliant. This is where it gets tough, right? The three of us were in the Big Brother house together. You would have been my other alliance. And so the challenge was every single member of the cookout had another person that they were in an alliance with. And when it was that person's turn to go on the block, so every week they vote someone out of the house and you're on the block when you're being voted out. Mm -hmm. You had to commit to going up next to that person. So me and you would be on the block together and I would have to know that you were going to leave the show. Uh. No one ever disclosed until very late in the game the nature of the cookout alliance. Like, it was always this big secret and it was a very well-kept secret. And it's like, how could you all not believe that six Black people in the same house We're going to work together. Right, right. So yeah, it's genius. And I think I love it. I would talk about the ways in which like, there were so many challenges to the success of Black people. I would love your perspective on this, Sam, because like at every turn in the show, there was an opportunity for a member of the cookout to choose a white person. And they struggled with this thing. It was like, I don't really think that I can win the game if I vote Katie out. Because if Katie is in the game, then Katie's going to keep me till the end in case stuff falls apart with the cookout. Like, if I had to choose between the cookout alliance and Katie Ricks, that would be a tough decision. But for the sake of the cause, I would likely do it because that's where my heart is. But there were all these moments where Black folks, I mean, they're humans, like in the show, were going at it with each other. They were angry at each other. They had beef, but they still chose the larger goal of Black success over their individual alliance. Mm -hmm. But only one person won, right? Correct, but they all got paid. So at some point, they all had to make a decision about each other. But at least if they make it to the end, like you say, they've put themselves in a position. I'm all with that. It's all about strategy. I don't know how much of this was about the ultimate goal of having a black winner. Certainly. Or uh, strategically aligning yourself so that you know that you have a better chance of getting this paycheck. They might be indistinguishable in terms of working to support each other, but uh, I'm with it. I definitely could have did that. I mean, I'm skeptical of people regardless of your ethnic background. I say. I don't trust white people. Amen. I don't trust black people. Amen. You know, I, I don't trust that many people. <laughs> 
Do you trust me, Sam? Uh, that has that's a relationship that has been forged over time, <laughs> and so uh, and so uh, yes, no, I actually do trust Brandon, but um, it didn't happen overnight. And if we would have met for the first time on a reality TV show, the likelihood that we would form an alliance that would last till the end of that ninety day period, you would have pissed me off at least five times by the second day in the house. And you, yeah, and you would have ended it because I have more patience than you. Jeez. So you would have pissed me off too, but I would have cursed you out and then been like, let's, you want some of this bacon that I'm cooking? <laughs> and I would eat your bacon. And you would have thought I was crazy. You'd have been like, this nigga is crazy. He just cussed me out and then offered me a piece of bacon. I mean, I would have eaten it and yeah. still been right with you because Katie would have been eating them raw veggies and hummus. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a choice. I had a choice. So all in all, I'm just excited about the fact that this reality TV show has had a black winner. And I do think that it's an omen for what we can do as black folks if we choose to align with one another at all costs, regardless of what's attacking us from the outside right. or regardless of our personal mm. relationships. If we choose one another, hmm. gay, straight, old, young, single mother, coupled mother, whatever you are, whoever you are, if we choose one another, we actually can flourish. And it doesn't mean we're going to be best friends, but it does mean that choosing one another has a benefit for all. All of us. We all about to get paid. And that is that on that. For the next church announcement, I want to hand it off to Karen. Why do I have to do the Trump one? Because you watched Apprentice. (laughs) (laughs) And did. And he your cousin, girl. You know, white folks, they all your family. (laughs) And today's ridiculous news. Donald Trump is clearly signaling that he will run for president in 2024. Oh, shit. (laughs) I know. But if you thought his first campaign rally was stupid, wait until you hear. Donald and the Republicans want to make America great again, again. A second time. Do we have a clip? Girl, of course, there's always a clip. Here it is. Make America great again, again. Because we already did it, right? We're going to make America great again, again. Do you not hear how dumb this sounds? My God. My guy. But forget the fact that it doesn't work, you know, just in terms of the the acronym. But like, did the first making great not stick? I think about the scripture when Jesus was like healing somebody who was blind and he spit on the ground and rubbed it in his eyes. And the dude was like, I can see, but all the people look like trees. This is exactly what has happened. Trump and Jesus, they're the same people. You are a mess. You are a mess. <laughs> Uh, just shows that his communications people suck. But I disagree with you, Katie. Really? I actually think his communications people are probably saying, are you sure that you want to do? And he's like, yeah, it's great. It's the best. See, I think that his communications folks are actually genius because they know that the people that he's targeting are not smart. Oh, that's true. And all these people want are dog whistles. And so if he has Make America Great Again again, right. and it's actually a super PAC, right? It's a political action committee. Pam Bondi, who's a former attorney general of Florida. Florida? Oh, mm-hmm. Jesus. Said about the new group, we look forward to building on the success of MAGA Action with our new committee, Make America Great Again, again. It's the same acronym. So this is all because of Trump's stupidity and his pride, right? So Corey Lewandowski was Trump's one-time campaign manager, and him and Trump are now, like, on the outs. And he led MAGA action, M-A-G-A-A, MAGA. But Trump said he don't want anything to do with Corey. So as opposed to changing everything about MAGA, he just changed the last word but kept the first letter of the word so that it still is MAGA and not another name altogether. They could put like 
make America great again, and then put a little arrow up, you know, on those little carrot things, and then write in cursive again, then it would make it different. But I mean, I'm not trying to help them out. I'm just saying. But can Trump supporters read cursive? What if there are Trump supporters who support us, then we're losing them? There might be two. Or we're gaining them. It's kind of genius, right? Because basically they're saying, we can't really tell you what we did, but you liked it. So we're going to do it again. Again, again. So come on, support us. (laughs) You know, like literally... They're not pointing to like successes other than they can say, look at the courts, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Trump presidency was very successful in amassing power for Republicans. And they could always say that, but they could also just say, we're going to do it again. Yeah. Which is what this slogan does. So turning this a little bit more seriously, I think for me, back when Trump was running for president the first time, I will confess, I was one of the people who was like, this is never going to happen. Me too. Hillary Clinton, say what you want to about Hillary. Mm-hmm. She's one of the most competent and astute politicians. Yep. She may be the best politician of our generation, yep. period. Like one of the most qualified that has ever run for the office. Ever run, exactly. And she's the first woman, and she's white, and she wears pantsuits, and she got this low haircut like Katie, <laughs> looking like a good ass lesbian in a pantsuit. Of course she's gonna win, giving y'all all this masculine energy. Trump ain't gonna win. That's what I said. And then Trump won. It was stolen. I, I mm. uh, let's qualify it. Trump won the Electoral College. Correct. To take this a little bit more serious for a second, like the threat of Donald Trump returning to be the president of the United States in 2024 is real. Very. And we shouldn't take this lightly. We shouldn't take it lightly at all. Not at all. If you notice right now, Joe Biden's approval ratings are in the toilet. Like they're underneath the toilet and Trump's approval ratings are higher Mm -hmm. than ever. And so I'm asking questions about whether or not removing Trump from all social media channels was the right decision. Because ultimately, distance makes the heart grow fonder. Mm -hmm. And in the absence of Trump having a regular platform to say stupid shit, to remind us of how awful he was, in the absence of Trump tweeting every other week Mm -hmm. something that makes us pissed off, like, people are actually thinking back to the days that he was leading and remembering them more fondly than they actually were. Right. Right. And part of it is because his antics distracted from the crises that were happening. It's not like the Trump presidency was without crisis. It's just that you only heard about the other crazy shit that was happening um, within his administration, which probably impacted people a lot less than the actual guy is falling crises that were happening. Some of these things we don't even know about right? because he was a master at deflecting. He was a master at changing the conversation. right? And part of the problem now is you don't have that distraction and everything thing that Biden or Democrats are doing is on full display. Full display. So, you know, even though it's a it's thinnest of majorities that you could have, like the infighting within the Democratic Party is on full yep. display. Or the fact that moderate progressives are really like on some extent, moderate and progressive Democrats are like holding progress hostage if they don't get what they want. And so like, it's crazy because Republicans don't have to do much. Like Mitch was like, I'm gonna help y'all out this week, but I ain't doing this shit again. Y'all gonna have to figure this out on your own. And since y'all can't, you know, I'm just gonna, I don't even have to blow it up. I'm just gonna let people know that y'all can't do shit. And because Trump isn't here to distract from that, right. people are like, oh, I'm tired of this shit. What? What? Right. You know, what's going on? So, Katie, what do you think we need to be doing right now in terms of organizing so that Trump isn't the nominee for the Republican Party? Right. Well, I mean, I think it goes back actually to what you were talking about on Big Brother. We need to be making alliances with people. We need to be building coalitions, which is what Reverend Barber talks about. We have to take it seriously. Again, the Republican Party has been 
working for 50 years to establish their message. And even though this guy is ridiculous, I mean, for me, if they're getting rid of protections for women to make choices about their body now under Biden, it's going to just be worse the second time with Trump. So we, we actually have to do something. And it's got to be more than just canvassing or more than signing up people to vote. I mean, I don't know how you sound the alarm, right? But we've got to be out there in a way that makes us uncomfortable in order to protect. To that point about being uncomfortable, I think that it is actually the problem of the Democrats. The Democrats, this is their election to lose because right now they have the power, they have the authority, they have the control up until the midterms at least. And if we're not pursuing things like court packing, if we're not pursuing things like removing the filibuster, if we're not taking those options seriously and being willing to deploy them to change the state of affairs in Congress, then people ain't going to trust Democrats to do anything. I mean, to be crystal clear, the three of us on this show are lockstep Democrats. I don't really identify with any sort of political party, but if I have the choice between the Democrats and the Republicans, it's Democrats every time at this particular moment in history. I will never vote for a Republican candidate unless like the spirit of God descends on me like a dove in a baptismal pool and says, vote for this fucking Republican. But I don't think that's going to happen. I can't say that. I like to say that I'm an independent, but there's probably not a chance in hell I'll vote for a Republican. You ain't no damn independent. I'm registered independent, but I vote for Democrats every time. I'll vote for Colin Powell. I would, I would vote for Colin. That's the, that's the only one I vote for. I would have voted for Colin Powell. <laughs> I knew y'all had this one Democrat. <laughs> 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 so that's that on that. Trump is a real threat and we should take that threat seriously and begin organizing now and building solidarity between unlikely partners, even when we piss each other off, to make sure that the threat of Trump in this particular brand of Republican conservatism does not receive a second term in the office of the presidency. Let's transition to our next church announcement. Sam, I think you got this one. Yeah, the saga of the restrictive Texas abortion law continues. Last week, the Supreme Court of the United States, which we sometimes call SCOTUS, SCOTUS. continued to signal that it will side with those who desire to implement new laws that limit women's ability to obtain an abortion. So one such case happened in Kentucky. Now, this law that Kentucky passed actually was passed in 2018, which actually restricts a certain method or procedure of abortion. It's called the dilation and evacuation procedure. Uh, it's most common method used for second trimester pregnancies. Yeah. But the Attorney General of Kentucky has been in the court trying to have uh, a decision overturned where they said that this law was unconstitutional. And it looks like the Supreme Court is going to aside with the state of Kentucky and this attorney general saying that they can actually ban this procedure, which will significantly restrict women's access to uh, this procedure in the state. I, again, remain shocked about the dismantling of Roe versus Wade or Casey versus Planned Parenthood. I think it is like sitting and watching a train crash and you can't do anything about it. Right. I mean, there's got to be something, but they are slowly pulling everything down. And because the courts are stacked there, um, they're going to do it. And so I'm not really in the best place right now because I, I, I like, I feel yeah. more angered than problem solving action oriented stuff. Right. But like at this point, they've got all layers of this thing wrapped up. And so how do we have an impact? I don't know. 
All I know is it's crap and it's hurting. Court packing is the only fucking option. It, it is. Like literally, that is the yes. only option yes. at this juncture. We have to be serious about the fact that Donald Trump and the Republicans stole not one, but two Two seats on the Supreme Court. Now, I know, please don't send me no fucking email right now. I'm mad. Don't send me no email talking about technically the Senate did what it was supposed to do and they followed all the rules. Yes, you are right that Mitch McConnell is probably the second best political figure of all times. Like, he knows what he can and he can't do. He knows where the law speaks and where the law doesn't speak. He's not a good politician. He's a good obstructionist. That's what he's good at. And so he knew how to obstruct the law in a manner that was within the rules to steal the first Supreme Court seat from Barack Obama, which was Merrick Garland's seat, which y'all y'all forgot about Merrick, and I forgot about him too. And he also knew how to obstruct the law in a manner that made the precedent that he set under Barack Obama's presidency null and void to make sure that Trump could appoint Correct. another Supreme Court justice when Ruth Bader Ginsburg failed to resign her seat when she knew she was dying. And he's already said um, that if a seat becomes available after the midterms, he would do everything in his power to block Biden from being able to appoint that justice as well or nominate, nominate rather. I hadn't heard that part, but it doesn't surprise me because they're also not approving people that Biden has nominated for his administration. So I'm not sure how we're going to pack courts. I think one of the challenges with our system is that we built this whole system with all of these rules in place for things that there's no precedent for. Right. And so not to say that there's no precedent for expanding the court, um, but it seems in the last three to five years, I keep hearing like something happens. And I was like, this has never happened before. We don't even know how to go about this. And I think this is one of the reasons Trump was so effective because he would just be like, no, nah, I ain't going to hear to this. And they didn't know what to do because it had never been done. Yeah. No president had ever said, I'm not going to do this. I don't, you know, right. and the law was almost ineffective. Like it had no teeth. And I tell people all the time who is like, you know, who are in a position where they have to make a decision decision and then they have to say this is a consequence and I'm like is that really a consequence are you ready to make that a real consequence like don't say it if you're not going to enforce it mm-hmm. just like with January 6th you have a, a complete insurrection and I'm watching these people on the news say well it, well it really wasn't an insurrection well, we really haven't had this issue before and well I don't think it rises to the level of insurrection I'm like well shit what does you know like this is crazy you're not even ready to enforce the law that's in place so the, my question is about court packing um, what's required to reform the court in that way? Like nothing. There is nothing in our country. So you saying Biden can just say, I want three more justices on the court. Biden can appoint justice whenever he wants to. Now he has to have the Senate behind him. Correct. And I think that would take a 60-40 vote in order to confirm a justice. Or is it a majority vote in the Senate? They can make it a majority vote. They can remove the filibuster. They could change the rules. Republicans have been literally changing the rules for years. And every time they have power. To your point, for all these situations that we've never found ourselves in, the issue isn't that we've never found ourselves in these situations. The issue is that the laws were written in a manner that assumed white people would always have power, Mm -hmm. and they were written in a manner to control non-white persons from doing the things that white people, white men, straight white men, presumably straight white men, were permitted to do anytime they wanted to. The laws aren't for white folks. They're for black people. They're for brown people. They're for Latino people, Latina people, Latinx people. They're for Asian folks, women folks. 
gay folks, but they're not for white men. Mm. And so we're in a situation where literally the rule for white men is do whatever the fuck you want to do. And as long as you make a deal with capitalism, and as long as you make a deal with straightness, with heteronormativity, as long as you cut a deal with us, we got your back. We're going to let you do whatever you want. And it's not just white men who benefit from that these days. It's also white women. White women who make a deal with patriarchy and heteronormativity also get the same covering as white men who make the same deal. Yep. So it is 51 now. Is that because they changed it for themselves? Prior to 2013. Yeah. Who was in office in 2013? Obama. So literally, the Republicans have given you the ability to do whatever the fuck you want to do. And I'm tired of Democrats acting like there's some sort of moral high ground here. At the end of the day, when you've dug a hole below the floor, there is no moral high ground. Mm -mm. There is no moral high ground. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. When are you going to lean into the fact that you have control of everything except the Supreme Court right now and do something for the American people that matters. Weren't we talking about abortion? It's all related. (laughs) (laughs) But but, but to your point, this is only the third of our six church announcements. So let's take a quick break since we've kind of gotten veered off the subject a little bit. And let's come back in after our break with our next church announcement. We'll be right back after this. The other day, Jordan was supposed to write a paper on the Electoral College saying yes or no. So we go to this grocery store, the the cashier's there. And she goes, how's school? Like, what are you doing? Jordan said, well, I have to write a paper on the Electoral College. And the woman looked at her and she said, I have three words for you. Abolish, (laughs) abolish, abolish. (laughs) I was like, I mean. If you know, you know. Welcome back from that quick break. As a reminder, today we've got a full episode of church announcements for the good of the congregation. So if you were listening, expecting a word of pod for the people of pod. You ain't getting that shit. Thanks, thanks be, be to pod. pod. <laughs> That's what we say. Then you're not getting that today. We are only doing church announcements to catch up on all that has happened since our last recording session. So let's get right back into it. While we were away for a couple of weeks, a few things happened over at Facebook. I mean, for starters, there was that random (laughs) five-hour period where all the Facebook apps were glitching, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp. I was on vacation in Spain and trying to post a sexy picture (laughs) and was really disappointed when I couldn't do it. And I thought it was because I had, like, used all of my data for the day. You broke Facebook. (laughs) I broke it. Mm-hmm. Because you thought something was sexy and it wasn't? Because you was trying to post new pictures. It was a sexy picture. It was my little thong bikini wear. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Were y'all around for the Facebook blackout? All five hours of it. <laughs> I, I remember. Was it only five hours? It felt like it was all day. It was much longer than five hours. Brandon has Brandon wasn't here, so he doesn't know. It was global. <laughs> It went out like right around noon um, Eastern time and it didn't come back until like 8 p.m. Yeah. The blogs say it was a five hour outage. It may have been eight for y'all because y'all got bad internet. They restored it for the white people first, the straight white people. That's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> they got all your data. Yeah, it prevented a lot of things going on that day. How convenient, though, that that this outage happened like at the same time that someone was blowing a whistle on Facebook, you know? How convenient. Come through transition. So speaking of the whistleblowing, <laughs> so the Facebook whistleblower testified about issues with the culture within the tech giants organization. Francis Haugen I believe that's how you say her name. That's how the German would say it. Frances Haugen shared extensively with Congress about the ways that Facebook ignores data which suggests its own apps 
Instagram specifically are doing harm to people, specifically young teenaged women. Hmm. So Halgen, who's a former Facebook product manager, told a Senate panel last week that leadership at the company prioritizes profits before people and called on the lawmakers to intervene. Halgen is also preparing to testify the same before British Parliament next week, or maybe this week. Again, whenever this airs, it may have already happened, but you get it. We're trying to stay relevant, but we don't care about time as much. There's also a second whistleblower, Sophie Zhang, who is now saying she's willing to testify about the same things that Francis Haugen testified about two weeks ago. I have a teenager, and while my daughter's not on Facebook, Instagram is is certainly something that she and her friends are on all the time, and, and the ads are continuously perpetuating body image stuff. Yes. And teenage girls have enough trouble with um, societal expectations for the body, and then over and over again, they're seeing it on Instagram, which even if you have a great body image, it eventually starts to weigh on you and come into your head, because that's a teenager. You're like a sponge, right? Everything's coming in there. And so I feel, I feel like I sound like the old lady in, in the room. Well. <laughs> when you read it, you said Facebook is is about... Um, Profits over people. Every damn company is about that. But in this instance, they've made themselves almost indispensable and they're continuing to figure out ways to infiltrate minds. I mean, so the research that Haugen leaked to the Wall Street Journal explicitly notes that Facebook utilizes the information that it gets from user accounts to target them with ads. We already knew that. But when you are in a place where not only are you getting ads targeted towards you, but also other content targeted towards you and your timeline, let's say that I look up veganism, right? And so I look up what it means to be a vegan. And now all of a sudden, I'm getting information about what it means to have other perhaps unhealthy food practices to make sure that my waist is trimmed. And I'm getting images that show before and after images of someone who filtered their picture to look a little bit more slim. Mm -hmm. I was on Instagram this morning and there was a data scientist uh, who said, this is why you should put on the privacy things. And maybe you shouldn't even be on Facebook or Instagram because, so say the three of us, say, Sam, you mentioned your favorite toothpaste or something, and then they track the fact that I'm near you. And then they track the fact that I'm near other people. And all of a sudden, I've never used your toothpaste. You've never told it to me on the phone, but all of a sudden I'm getting ads for it. So like, they're not only tracking what we view, they're also tracking who we're around, where we go, and what those other people are doing. So they show me your toothpaste because they want me to influence somebody about that. So it's, it's not even that they're targeting one person. It is a web of... Lies and deceit. Uh, And I just want to point out the way that the different generations use the platform um, based on what Katie just said. Uh, She started out by saying, I was on Instagram and there was a data scientist because that's what she does on Instagram. (laughs) She follows data scientists because she's 80 years old. (laughs) No, it was an ad. I don't know what. So it means you follow some fucking data scientists. (laughs) I don't even know what a data scientist does. That's what I was like. What does this person do for a living on 60 Minutes? And you watch the entire thing. You were targeted. We need everyone's Facebook ad experience and Instagram ad experience to match Katie's. Get them in front of data scientists. (laughs) You guys are hilarious.
Y'all take your privacy seriously. Take your data seriously. Take control of your Instagram and know that the tech industry is an unregulated industry who benefits fully from the capitalist practices and values that are at the foundation of this country and this world. Take control of your data and your privacy to ensure that you aren't being targeted in this manner. And if you have young people in your household, small humans, little humans, developing humans who are in your household, make sure you are taking control of their data to ensure they aren't being targeted in these ways as well. Moving on, our next church announcement, which is the penultimate church announcement, the next to last church announcement. Thank you for using that word. I like it. I love it too. The next one comes from Katie. We're going back to Katie's COVID corner. Katie's COVID corner. I guess it's a good thing that where I live in the South, the vaccination rates are so low that I can have that forever. I mean, I like- You can have COVID forever? Katie's COVID <laughs> corner. I like that. Oh, you like your segment? Katie's COVID corner. Right, exactly. Jesus. Well, I mean, the transmissions are going down in the United States and the death rates are going down, but the vaccination rates are also staying low in in the South. So we don't know when another um, spike will happen, but for now- Oh, it's coming. It'll happen. And now flu season is upon us. I'm sure Brandon brought another variant from Spain, so- Don't do me because, I mean, the adult population in Spain is over 80% vaccinated. So I think meeting in Spain made me realize like Europe is handling this so much more effectively than the United States. Like literally, there was no question when people walked into stores, boom, mask on. And like they could tell, I guess I was an American. I didn't speak Spanish. So they would just do a little gesture over their mouths when I forgot to put mine on because I was walking outside. And there was no question. Just culturally, everybody wore masks, even though 85% of their population is vaccinated. And their transmission rates and their death rates are even lower than ours. And so like, I literally felt safe in Spain because people are being vaccinated and people are still wearing masks and there just is no question about it. Is it mandated? Well, I think that it is mandated still in Spain. I think mask wearing is still mandated for the entire country in Spain. And even in the small little towns, because we did a scenic drive throughout Spain, and even in the small towns, people were wearing masks. Like, it was standard. And I can't understand why we're sitting here in America where cloth masks are still a thing, when there's already been research that says medical masks at this juncture are only 50% effective in reducing transmissions. Your cloth mask ain't doing shit. We can we can barely get people to wear masks. So it's just like, yeah, literally, they're like threatening to murder school board members because they recommend kids wearing masks. So, you know, to even start a debate about cloth versus medical is just, it seems futile. <laughs> right, right. I'd be happy it's for like, them to wear anything. put a bandana over your child's face. Right. <laughs> Something. Katie, finish up your corner. <laughs> Katie's COVID corner. <laughs> Wrap the corner. Katie's COVID corner. The reality is we're still in a pandemic. And if we've learned anything from this, it's that we didn't get sick when we were wearing masks. Like if I hear anybody cough at work or even like pretend like they're going to sneeze, I want to like put on a mask or go home. Like there's no reason for us to show up there. So I think... Like, we still need to be vigilant about that just to keep others safe. And I, I was outside with a, with someone the other day, and this human kept wearing a mask, even though it was outside. And I was like, I can put mine on. And this human was like, well, you know, no, 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 it's fine. I just do it for because he has a new baby. And I was like, oh, no, but, but me wearing my mask protects you. So then I put it on. Again, the mask is not protecting us. The mask is protecting everyone else. The vaccine is protecting us. 
us. That's correct. And testing is still a thing. That's right. Before I could come back to the States, I had to have a negative COVID test in order to return to the United States. So it's vaccine, it's masking, and it is testing. So if you are in the United States and you still are unvaccinated, please don't get your vaccine. And if you are over the age of 65 or you have a condition that allows you to receive a booster, get your booster right now. Today, don't delay. So is the booster now being offered to people? I know I know the first installment of the booster was for like immunocompromised folks. And folks over 65. Yeah, so they've got healthcare workers and teachers. Or, I mean, I know people who are healthcare workers and teachers who are getting the booster. But y'all can help me, y'all can help me understand the rationale behind this. So in Texas, um, the great state of Texas, where I'm pretty sure Brandon was born because he's ignorant like them. Everything's bigger in Texas. All of my eggs. Texas live in Texas. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but I hang my hat in Tennessee. Y'all don't know nothing about that. I, I know that song. So the governor of Texas. I know I can't know the song, but Sam, are you Republican? <laughs> <laughs> if heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I don't want to go. Y'all don't know nothing about that stuff. I can teach I y'all a lot of folks a thing or two. If they, if they ain't got a grand old opera like they do out in Tennessee, you can send me to hell or New York City. It'll be about the same to me. What is happening? Something I did not expect. The only song I know is Rocky Top, You'll Always Be Home Sweet Home to Me. Oh, no, I know some country, but I'm from Alabama. I know Old Town Road. I grew up in some of the whitest places, so we know. I know country. I know country from like the 90s when I was in school with white people. I know Achy Breaky Heart. Don't tell my heart, my <laughs> Achy Breaky Heart. I just don't think you'll understand. I don't think that's really country. I mean, I know he thinks it is, but... Well, didn't he sing at, at uh, Biden's, not nomination, what the hell was it? Inauguration. Inauguration, yes, yes. Him and Lady Gaga with that Hunger Games brooch. It was horrible. No, 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 wait, that was Garth. That wasn't Billy Ray Cyrus. I thought Garth sings Achy Breaky Heart. He does. No. Oh, he don't? No, it's Billy Ray Cyrus. I attribute all, all country songs in the 90s to Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks saying Achy Breaky Heart. That, that this is white woman. Just because she white don't mean she know. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Now I'm looking it up. I am too. <laughs> and I think y'all are too. <laughs> I'm like, who sings this song? It How is Billy, spell it's, it's Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> I think I think Garth did a rendition or a remake. He had to because that's what I remember growing up. That was Garth Brooks doing that I song. I thought so too, but it's definitely Garth Brooks never sang that song. I mean, like I don't want to be sitting here like supporting country music or whatever. Although some of it is good. Said everyone who was at the Capitol on January the sixth. <laughs> 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 Garth Brooks would not sing as stupid a song as Achy Breaky Heart. He didn't do no rendition either. You're right. Well, I guess all white people look alike. As I was saying, so help me understand, Brandon, the state of Texas, the governor signed an executive order banning any business, not just government agencies, even private companies from requiring vaccination mandates. Mm -hmm. Right. They, they do this because it's your body and it's your choice. And the people should be able to make that choice for themselves. And the same damn state has passed the most restrictive abortion law in the entire country. I just don't understand how this can happen at the same time with the same people in office making arguments for each one. It's whiteness. I don't get it. Help me. Help me understand, Katie. Explain your people. What is it called? Katie? 
Defend your people. Is it? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I used to maybe have an inkling of understanding of what they were thinking and no longer do I. So we had a final church announcement for today that was about the CIA and this little top secret cable that it sent that was no longer top secret that warned agents that too many informants were getting killed or turned into double agents. But we've tarried a little bit longer on our first five announcements. So we'll save that for a future church announcement segments. For now, let's go to another break and then we'll come back with our final segment of the day. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Transmissions are going down in the United States. Is it because of the um, the lack of cars? Sorry? <laughs> I'm so lost. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. She said transmissions were going down. Ding! Sorry. Bad joke. Bad joke. Bad joke. That's actually... <laughs> All right, good people. Since there was no word of pod this week, there will be no invitations. However, in the spirit of giving you a little something, something at the end of each episode, we decided to kick it old school on today and head on back to the mourner's bench. What? Oh, my. Oh, you wasn't ready. Oh, caught you by surprise. If you're unfamiliar with the mourner's bench, that's an old podcast we had with our dearly beloved colleague and friend, David Malcolm Logeman Jr. Is he a junior? We haven't done it in a while, but now... It is time for us to bring this segment back. So all we do is we just kind of read folks a little bit, just a little bit, and we put them on the mourner's bench for their soul salvation because there's some people in the United States of America, what did uh, Jeremiah Wright call them? The UKK? Okay. <laughs> he got in trouble for that thing. I love Pastor Wright. I That's love still my it, pastor yeah. right there. I don't care what Obama and Michelle said in that book. Um, so we put some folks on the bench for their soul salvation and for them to be restored and transformed by the renewing of their minds. Who this week is on the bench? Katie, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm yielding for you, Katie. I'm letting you go first if you have anybody. Yield not to temptation for yielding is seen. Yeah, so the thing is that I can't come up with anything other than all white people and I and and I hate to do you that. You always put white people on the bench. I know, but you know what? I think that This is why we had to retire the bench last time because you crowded it with all these white folks. I Katie, I want you to put some black people on the bench. Don't do that, Katie. He's he's just it's, it's a Katie, trick. It's a trick. You put some niggas on it's the bench. It's a trick. <laughs> it's a trick, Katie. It's a trick. I want you to say this is Big Brother. It's a trick. <laughs> it's a trick. He's trying to vote you out. Katie, who's the guy who's running who's challenging Abbott for governor in uh in Texas, who's also uh, like a senator now in Texas, but he he was the chairman of the Republican Party. Alan West, you put that nigga on the bench. I want you to say it just like I'm putting that nigga on the bench. Say that, Katie. Don't, say it. don't do it, Katie. Don't do it. Say it. Don't do it, Katie. Don't do it. <laughs> let's let's resu- so let's 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 change this. Let's shift this time. People with broken spirits and contrite hearts. It's just broken spirits and contrite hearts. They gotta have the proper disposition to be on the bench. If they just out there sinning, leave them out there. Let them be sinful. What I'm going to say then is that I'm going to put... Um, put Al, uh, The reason I say Alan West... I'm, cause it, 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 what are you doing? The nigga, what are you doing? The nigga got COVID and is in the hospital uh, with COVID yeah. and still talking about I, I'm still against vaccination mandates and I'm still against... Man. And this is why they just need to die. Is this, is this a black man? Yes, Alan West is black. Why did you put him on the bench? Because I ain't saying what you're saying. Nigga, yes you can. What's wrong with you? Uh, I don't think you call white people... That name I do They come in all colors for me uh, See that's what that's a, You just reverted to your whiteness Because you just think That's the name reserved for black folks God damn it Katie Every time we think We're making progress with your ass You do something like this You just set yourself back 
15 years. You're thinking about the ER. When there's an ER. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> so Sam, finish putting Alan West on the bench with his white ass name. Okay, I'm putting him on the bench because he, he came out against vaccination mandates as he's running to replace the governor of Texas. Trash. And recently we just found out that he's COVID positive. Trash. And even, and he, he and his wife Trash. are COVID positive. She didn't, you know, she was able to go home. Trash. But he's having some kind of pneumonia. It's his wife white. He probably, he's having some pneumonia issues. She has a bob, asymmetrical bob. Her name is Angela. She's probably black. <laughs> I never made a white angel. And so, and so he's still in the hospital and he's still like, but I'm still against vaccine mandates. And it's just like, yeah, you just need to die. He looked like Rance Allen. But what's this dude's name? Oh, Alan West. Oh, he's out of the hospital now. Sorry. God restores. You've been given a second chance. Don't take it for granted, Alan. Don't take it for granted. Come sit on this bench and be transformed. Or die. Oh. Who else is on the bench? I just looked up his wife. We might not want to look at that. I mean, she... Is she white? She black? She's black. Oh. She had a DUI case, and she doesn't have a really good mugshot. Um, I'm going to put... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put on the bench Kristen... Kirsten, is that her name? Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin, who are just uh, continuing to derail the uh, Democratic Party and any ability to govern. I'm not actually sure what they're doing except that they want their name said on the news a lot. And and so now I'm saying their name on the podcast. But if they're on the bench, then they're out of the news. Um, Hopefully. And don't have to be mentioned on the podcast again. So I'm going to put them on the bench, uh, Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin, and hope that the Lord will inspire them it, to some it, kind of integrity. What's so crazy is that the, the Republican Party had these type of folks in it when Donald Trump was first elected. And they got in line so fast. Like, remember what Lindsey Graham said about Trump when they were running. Remember what all these people said about Trump when they were in the middle of the election. And when he became the party nominee, they got in line so fast to support his agenda. And that's why they were able to wreak havoc on us for four years. And now these two idiots. <laughs> I, never mind. But these people were just John the Baptist for Donald Trump. Like, they paved the way. They said, prepare the way for the Trump. I'm certain that, like, John the Baptist didn't like Jesus initially. He was like, I don't know who this Negro is. I don't know. They was first cousins. They did know each other. Exactly. He was like. That doesn't mean they liked each other. That's what I'm trying to say. He was still mad because he stole his toy that one time and wouldn't give it back. And he was like, what do you mean he the son of God? <laughs> that, 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 I, I was sitting there with the shit in diapers with this nigga. He's not the son of God. His diapers. He had shit in his diapers just like I did. <laughs> he, he couldn't even pass his math test. He ain't even got no abacus. Like, he was mad. No one has ever referred to, like, shitty diapers. Jesus had shitty diapers. Okay. They were cloth. They were swaddling cloths. Those are diapers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. This week, I think I want to put on the bench anybody and everybody who is pastoring the church right now and trying to encourage people to come back into the building and doing things exactly the same way that you did before COVID-19 started. Come on, Reverend Doctor. You Mm -hmm. literally haven't changed anything, and now you're trying to shame people on your live stream to come back in the building, but their lives are completely different than they were in March of 2020. So you sitting here with a March 2020 praise for an October 2021 time. Mm Mm-hmm. How has your worship, your liturgy, your sermon prep, 
How has it been transformed over the last several months, the last year and a half? We've all been sitting here watching your live streams. We've all been sitting here seeing y'all do the same things that y'all did when we were in there on March of 20, on, on, in March of 2020. All y'all had to do was walk into the building and record a sermon. You didn't even have to hype us up. The praise team recorded on Wednesday. You came and recorded on Saturday. Like you didn't even have to do anything. And you were still collecting every single penny of that check. You didn't use any of that time to seek God. You didn't use any of that time to figure out how you could pastor people in a post-pandemic reality. You didn't spend any of that time to figure out how your worship could be transformed. Sit on the bench. It's not enough just to welcome people back to a space. Figure out how you care for them and how you pastor them in this particular stage of life. If your worship is like March of 2020, close the doors and shut off the live stream. Yeah, I've heard some pastors like shame their parishioners because the church isn't as full as it was before the pandemic. The truth is some of these churches weren't full before the pandemic. Like it, the stale worship, the dry leadership, well. the horrible preaching, um, the, you know, all of this stuff was contributing to decline. And so now pastors want to say, you aren't faithful. You aren't dedicated. You don't, you, you're not, you know, you don't love God because you won't come to church. And that's some B. S. B. S. Put them on the bench. I'm glad you put them on the bench. They need to stay there. I'm like, I'm looking at your live streams and I went back in the archives and your church was just as empty before COVID. Don't be trying to justify your low attendance on, and try to say it's because of COVID. Don't blame that on COVID. That's because you ain't preaching nothing. Exactly. That's because nobody experiences the spirit of God in your service. That's because you have refused to change for the last 20 something odd years when the world is changing all around you, be better. Well, and yeah, and the thing is, not only should they have spent that 18 months um, learning something more about worship, they should have been calling people. Yep. They should have been visiting with people. Like, this is a shitty time. They should have somehow, like, not visiting in their home, but they should have been connecting. This was like a key pastoral care time that I think a whole lot of pastors blew off. Yep, listen, I can stay on this topic forever. We need to bring this thing down, down to a close. So that brings us to the end of another service here at the Church of Holy Shit and the Temple for all the saints and the ain'ts. If you happen to belong to one of these churches that ain't shit, that ain't changed nothing, and you tried to go back in the sanctuary and there wasn't no spirit there, we kindly invite you to change your membership over to this church, to this particular house of worship where the Holy Spirit resides every Monday morning, sometimes in the afternoon. Have we told you lately how much we love you? I mean, appreciate you listening because I was thinking about that. Have I told you lately that I love you? But we do love and appreciate you. It is true. We we do love and appreciate you. And more than listening, we love it when you talk back to us. Keep sending those emails to holyshit at theolabmedia.com to ask us a question or call us out or say how good Brandon and I are, except for Craig, or just share what you're thinking. Now, if you really want to show us some love, head on over to my personal cash. Oh, uh, to uh, uh, to the Apple Podcast and rate and review this pod. We appreciate all ratings, but we love five stars the best. So please do both today. And don't forget, you can show us love over at patreon.com slash Media by putting a little love offering in the basket as it's passed. All right, good people. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Until then. Peace. Peace.